We've tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an off season this year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Jerry. Good evening and welcome in to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura and the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion Gerard Cherry with you for the next hour. Coming up on tonight's show, you will hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, as well as an exclusive one-on-one with Browns safety Grant Delpit. That's all coming your way on this program today. But Gerard, unfortunately, Christmas Eve did not go the way we wanted. The Browns lose 17-10 to the New Orleans Saints, ending their playoff hopes. What did you take away from that game, Gerard? Is there anything positive that we can think about coming out of that game? Uh, And unfortunately, a game that, that ended the Browns' 2022 season. Well, what you take away from the game, Nathan, is if you're a Browns player and coaches alike, you know that you're capable of winning these football games, which you're seeing time and time again. It's the little things that mean a lot. And if you fix those little things, then you can be a better football team. You could be a better player, and you can have a chance to make a mark in this league. And the only way you make a mark in this league is through Hall of Fame, All-Pro, and Super Bowl accolades. And when you have those added to your mantle, then you're doing something. So when you look at the experience of this past game, once again it shows – to a young, impressionable football team that just having to lead in the first quarter or the second quarter is not enough. You have to play all four quarters. So from that standpoint, it's a learning experience that I would say you could take and say, you know what, we've learned something from it. But also, too, for Deshaun Watson, from his maturation process consideration, he knows he can play in cold weather. He knows it's yep. not the end of the world if it's once-in-a-lifetime type of conditions in which he found himself able to operate and to get the job done in to a degree because we didn't win. No, certainly. But for the Saints, you know, we had worried about Taysom Hill playing at the quarterback position. He did that extensively against the Browns. That kind of got their ground game going. Remember, the Browns were up 10 nothing. You have Amari Cooper slip and fall and not catch what was a sure touchdown that would have put them up 14 nothing. And then you allude to it. We didn't get the job done, but he led this team down. 11 pass attempts on the final drive of our 31. 11 came on that final drive. And he led the team down into the red zone, near the end zone, and had two passes dropped. One by Donovan Peoples-Jones, one by David Njoku that really would have changed, I think, that game and, and how people are viewing Deshaun Watson right now. If you watch the game, you saw what happened and you know what his numbers right. should have been, but unfortunately they are what they are. And for the Browns, they're 2-2 two and two with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. They have got to find a way to finish the season 4-2. and two. That starts this Sunday taking on the Washington Commanders. The Commanders currently 7-7-1. Seven, seven they are currently the seven seed in the NFC, but they have got a lot of to play for. In fact, if you're a Commanders fan, you could clinch for the playoffs this week. 
You could be eliminated from the playoffs this week. They're the seventh seed, as I said, right behind them on their heels. The Seahawks, who are seven and eight, the Lions, who are seven and eight, the Packers are seven and eight. The Seahawks play the Jets this week, the Rams week 18, the Lions Chicago this week, Green Bay week 18, the Packers Minnesota this week, and Detroit in week 18. So one of those teams is going to win, obviously, Lions Packers in week 18. So for the Commanders, here's the scenario that they face right now. They clinch a playoff berth in week 17 with a win, coupled with losses for each of those three teams, the Lions, Seahawks, and Packers. Conversely, the Commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention in Week 17 if they lose and the Lions and Packers win. Lions playing Chicago, as I said, the Packers playing Minnesota. So there's a lot at stake in this game. The Commanders have made a switch at quarterback. Tyler Heineke was 5-3-1 as a start of this season. Ron Rivera saying they needed a spark. They go back to Carson Wentz. Wentz was 2-4 and four this season. Gerard, what did you think of that move? by the, the commanders back to Carson Wentz. I, I get it that you're on a two-game slid. You lost to the Giants, and you also lost to the 49ers. Now, the 49ers blew you out, and the Giants, you can easily argue that you were robbed. As a matter of fact, the NFL came out and said they missed yep. the call. And on, on, on top of that, prior to that call that they missed as far as being a pass interference, it was clear that he made communication with the referee to say, hey, am I lined up so you don't call a legal procedure on me as well? So I don't get how you fo- shoulder all that on Heineke and say it's all his fault and that you need a spark because essentially that's what you're saying and you're going to a quarterback in which this team didn't trust early on and now you're going back to him hoping he'll save the day and maybe Carson Wentz has some magic but for me Nathan I disagree with the move by Ron Rivera I think it's a bad move why not go with the guy who's primarily responsible for getting you there and at the last second well last two games because of whatever has taken place and I watched the the 49ers game. Yeah, they yep. got beat soundly. And granted, he was actually, and that's not even really a true depiction. It really took place latter part of the third, second half, third quarter. Because in the first half, they drove down, scored before the Niners were competing with them blow for blow. And then they got away from them. Obviously, the turnovers played a part in that. But I don't put that all still on Heineke. No, in fact, they had a goal line stand by the Niners where right. they could not run it in from the one-yard line. Heineke in the game was 13 of 18 for 166 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, 114.6 rating, two sacks, and he lost a fumble. But what was wild about it is the drive before he got benched, he threw a touchdown to Terry McLaurin, his second of the day. And then the next one, they had the sack that they ended up calling an interception, but it was kind of the ball popped right. up in the pops air. Out, right. It pops out, and they called an interception. And then he got benched right after that. He was 13 to 18, 166 yards, two touchdowns. Wentz comes in. He goes 12 of 16 for 123 yards touchdown. Heineke's rating was 114 in that game you know for the season it's wild you kind of look at the comparison between the two Heineke completion percentage is about the same Heineke is 12 touchdowns six interceptions Wentz 11 and six Heineke 89.6 rating Wentz 86.3 and they average 20.3 points a game with Heineke 17 with Wentz it is a little bit of a head scratcher Wentz takes a lot of sacks 23 sacks in his six starts but he will be the starter now he's a little more dangerous throwing the ball down the field and that's where this Washington team is very good they've got Dotson the rookie seven touchdowns on the year. McLaurin with over 1,000 yards, averaging 15.2 yards a catch, and then Curtis Samuel, 652 yards of his own. So, dangerous team when they throw the football, but they also do like to run it, Gerard. Yeah, well, I hope they they pass the football and don't run the football, because it's glaringly obvious. Our strength is stopping the pass, 
and not stopping the run. So by all means, please employ Carson Wentz to pass the football because we know what can happen with that as well. He's a turnover machine and a sack waiting to happen as well. So I think it will help our cause if they decide to pass and use Wentz, and especially with the weather being the way it is, you know how offensive coordinators think they can't help themselves when it comes to passing the football as well. So please, by all means, pass the football because that will put us definitely in a better position to win this football game. All right, from an injury standpoint, I agree with you. We've been our, our pass defense has been actually quite excellent this year. It's our run defense has been the, one of the worst in the league and certainly on a per-play basis, one of the worst run defenses they've since they've really been tracking that stuff with advanced stats, and, and that's been a problem for the Browns. Injury standpoint for the Browns, uh, Jadevian Clowney out today with an illness, as was Demetric Felton. Jack Conklin got the Veterans Day off, not injury-related there. Um, the one thing to keep an eye on here is Jed Wills back DNP each of the last two days. Everybody else should be good to go for the Browns. On the commander side, though, some interesting things popping up here. Uh, Butler, their rookie safety, he was placed uh, to limited today. He was their fourth-round pick this year. Mostly a special teams guy, though, so not a huge loss for him. Um, Cameron Curl, their starting safety, who missed last week's limited both days. They also have their other starting safety, Derek Forrest, out today with an illness. That shouldn't keep him out. Um, but here's the one to keep an eye on. Uh, St. Juice, their cornerback, Benjamin St. Juice, he was limited on Wednesday DNP on Friday with an ankle injury. So mm. that's something to keep an eye on there. They could be banged up in the secondary if Curl's not ready to come back. And if St. Juiced is out, they'd be down two of their four starting secondary members. And for a team that plays a lot of nickel, they're 90% sub. That would be a big loss for them. But the Browns as health, healthy as they can be, Gerard. So I ask you as you go into this game, you know, what is it that you want to see from the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, you want to see them go in there and you want to see them win and have a good performance, but what does that look like in your mind? What will make you happy? Well, well, hearing what I'm hearing about Jed Wills, first and foremost, Nathan, I'm comfortable with the idea of Hudson going out there and playing because if Hudson does go out there and play and he does well, guess what that's going to do for Hudson? That's going to give him even more confidence, and that's going to help our administrative staff and everyone else involved make some sound decisions moving forward as far as our offensive line is concerned. So you'll have to look at that situation because Jed Wills beat up and not feeling well, Chase Young can exploit that all day, every day. So we understand what that represents. But as I said earlier today on CBD, I'm looking in that interior part of the offensive line and see what takes place there because I believe that's the strength of the defensive front for the commanders. And as we know, they have four first-round draft picks on that defensive line. They have put a lot of draft capital into making sure that they have a sound and solid unit. And to their credit, these guys have been getting after quarterbacks, and we're going to have to shut that down because you know like I know they want to try to bring the pressure with four guys and drop the rest of those guys into coverage. They certainly are. The four first-rounders, Gerard referenced there. Chase Young, who was uh, a second overall pick back in, 19, in uh, 2020, he and is a rookie year. He was the defensive rookie of the year, uh, a pro bowler, seven and a half sacks that season. Last year in nine games, uh, then he gets hurt, and he makes his debut last week, 30 snaps. Then you got Jonathan Allen, who was a first-round pick uh, many, many years ago. He's in his sixth season, so 2017, seven and a half sacks for him. He's going to his second straight Pro Bowl, also 16 tackles for loss. Deron Payne, the first-rounder in 2018 out of Alabama, 320-pounder. He's got nine and a half sacks to lead the team. He also has 16 tackles for loss. They are number one, tied for number one amongst all interior defensive linemen with those 16 tackles for loss. And then Montez Sweat, first-rounder in 2019. 
18. He's got seven sacks on the season. So three guys with seven or more sacks, one of only two teams in the NFL to do that. And they've done that without Chase Young, who now is back. You mentioned the interior. Well, that's where our five-time Pro Bowler Joel Batonio is, which is where Ethan Posick, number three center, Pro Football Focus, and Wyatt Teller, a Pro Bowler last year and a Pro Bowl alternate this year. That's going to be a real big matchup because – don't you see, think, Gerard, you want to see Deshaun Watson have time in the pocket. You want to see him comfortable and let him operate. The weather is going to be better. could be around 60 degrees and sunny. And he'd love to see him be able to just throw the ball and play a normal football game after the cold weather that he's seen, really, outside of the game in Houston. Right. You want to see also the improvement because the last time we faced – a team, and that was the Bengals, that employed this idea I'm going to rush for and then drop a bunch of guys, be it seven or eight guys, into the, or rush three and drop eight or seven guys into your coverage. That was against the Bengals, and he had some moments where he didn't do too good. So there will be an opportunity for him to, again, build confidence and get that sense and feel back for the game and just watch it unfold for himself and flow. So I'm looking forward to seeing that element of his game progress because he's certainly going to get that type of look from this defense for the Commanders. He is, yeah, and this Commanders team, Ron Rivera, their coach, and obviously, you know, great defense, and that's what they're built on. Their first-round picks in 17, it was Allen. In 18, it was uh, Deron Payne. 19, Montez Sweat. 20, Chase Young. That's their defensive line. And then at the second level, Jamin Davis was their first-round pick in 2021. So five straight years, first-rounders on the defensive side of the ball. Davis, by the way, leading the team with 95 tackles. He's got eight tackles for a loss, three sacks, all career highs for him in his second season out of Kentucky. They finally used a first-rounder on the offense this year, and it's been Dotson, who's got seven touchdowns, tying the franchise record set by Terry McLaurin for most receiving touchdowns by a rookie. So they've done a pretty good job uh, with those first-round picks. So chance to play spoiler, Gerard. And and do guys care about that? Is that something that guys can get excited about in the locker room? Like, all right, this is a playoff game for these guys. We want to go out there and win. Let's beat them in a playoff game and send them home and end their season. Yeah, guys care about it. And to be frank with you, Nathan, it certainly is the case when you're playing within division and you know a team that you do not like you see twice a year has an opportunity and you ruin it for them. Nothing sweeter than that. But when you know a team has, has something to play for, yeah, it. if anything, you want to measure yourself against a team that's in that spot. And you want to put, once again, on film the fact that you can compete on this level because – the Commanders are a good football team. I'll yep. call for what it's worth. I think they're a good football team. I didn't say great, but they're certainly a good football team. And how do you compete against good football teams? You want to go out there and showcase what you're capable of doing. So, again, you can have yourself an opportunity to be in the league the next year if you get one of the guys that's in that position where your contract's running out and you understand that, hey, they may not bring you back. Yeah, they've got wins this year over Jacksonville, over Chicago, Green Bay, Indianapolis. Philly was the big one right. on Monday Night huge. Football Week 10, yeah. uh, November the 14th, 32-21. to 21. They beat Houston. They beat Atlanta. They have a tie against the Giants. And then their losses most recently, as you mentioned, San Francisco, the Giants. They lost to Minnesota by three. They lost to Tennessee by four. They were beaten soundly by Dallas and Philly early in the year and lost a shootout back in Week 2 to the Detroit Lions. That's the commanders. That's how they have gotten where they are. But a good defense. They can run it. As we said, very, very good receivers. Excellent in one-on-one contested catch situations. Guys who can go make plays. The Pro Bowler led, of course, by Terry McLaurin. Three straight 1,000-yard seasons. And McLaurin uh, is 
probably going to set a new career high in the game against the Browns and needs just 27 yards to do just that. As I said, coming up on the show, we've got the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski at the bottom of the hour, Grant Delpit coming up after that. When we return, we are going to go around the league. Some crazy stuff going on around the National Football League as well as a little stock up and step up. You're listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Fans, mark your calendars for Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February 18th, the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. All right, Gerard, let's go around the league here quickly. Let's start with the NAFC West, the Denver Broncos, Fire their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, after a Christmas debacle against the Rams. Gibbe wants to know, why fire the head coach with two games left? What good does that do your franchise? Well, it does your franchise absolutely no good. It's just simply put, you're tired of looking at the guy. It's really that simple. And I hate to sound coarse on saying that, but it's just the reality. You get to a place where you simply don't want to see his face. It reminds you of the futility that you're going through and you see him as the main reason for it so simply put you feel if you get that out of the way you don't have to deal with it because when you're losing like they're losing and I've been there before life is absolutely miserable and you figure I need some alleviation from the misery and that's this is one of the ways in which I do it by firing someone now ultimately he was going to be fired it won't help him from a draft preparation standpoint it won't help him from a game plan standpoint all it does is just alleviate some of the angst, if you will, of seeing a person who you don't want to see every day anymore and you want them out your building. I just felt like the team completely quit on him on Christmas. I felt like they were saying, we're not playing for this guy anymore. This is not happening anymore. And it was one of the worst performances I've seen by a professional sports team. And I've seen a lot of bad ones, uh, unfortunately. I've had a front row seat for some very, very bad ones. But that was different because it just felt like they quit. So I think they said, we can't go on like this. He, you're out of here. Gives us a couple weeks head start on our coaching search, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to get after that. And so that was the decision there. Another decision made in the AFC West, Derek Carr benched by Josh McDaniels, which is, has he been great? No, but is that a scapegoat for a lot of things oh, that are wrong with the Rams? Yeah. It's, I find it to be a ridiculous move. He now is gone. He's left the team uh, for obvious reasons, says, you know, doesn't want to be a distraction. He's going to play somewhere else next year. They're saying they're not sure on their evaluation. He's going to be gone by February 10th is when his contract gets guaranteed. So they may have to cut him at that point. Derek Carr, I think, will have a lot of suitors. I think the Jets could be a team that he ends up with. Indianapolis, mm-hmm. it feels like they're going to, that could be the next kind of guy they try after Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. But what did you think of that move with the Raiders and – Josh McDaniels kind of, I think, passing the buck a little bit there on Derek Carr. I think it's exactly how you describe it. I see it in that light. Two weeks left, and you really think, I can't can't even pronounce it. Stidham. Stidham can give you the better option. Now, granted, Derek has not been setting the world on fire, but on top of that, now you've made Adams even more upset about the situation and question why the heck he left Green Bay to come to the situation in Las Vegas. So it's just a bunch of when you do things like that, guys also lose respect for you in the locker room when you do in that manner and fashion. That's the part that he's not – 
that's that's what I'm sensing will take place more so. So if anything, you're making the matter even worse for yourself because now guys are gonna see you as a dude who doesn't who sets people up for failure. And the best thing that you can do for a coach is make guys feel that you're setting them up for success. So to do it in this manner and fashion with two games left to sit a guy down is gonna come off in the locker room simply as you're trying to use Derek as a scapegoat when he doesn't deserve that. And that's exactly what they're doing. So I think the repercussions from it will be felt this week in a prior week and then going into the next season where guys, simply put, who are there, who have to be there, who are that core, don't trust Josh moving forward. Yeah, well, certainly from an offensive standpoint, being an offensive genius, they've got some good weapons, and they have not been a very good offense this year. They blew, what, four 14-point leads so far this season, which is just stunning. All right, Lamar Jackson misses practice again. Looks like he's going to miss his fourth consecutive game. Last year he missed four games. This year he's going to miss four games, Gerard. How much does that affect his contract situation? And there seems to be a lot of rumblings coming out of Baltimore that he will not be a Baltimore Raven in 2023. Yeah, I, I'll, I find that hard-pressed to believe now if the Ravens think, and they can. I mean, they certainly have a defense that can get the job done, and Huntley, to his credit, has made some plays. But would you rather have Jackson or would you rather have Huntley? And obviously you'd rather have Jackson. Now the question is, would you rather break your team and not be able to sign anybody to have Jackson? And obviously they're saying we don't want to go that route, hence why it's been a stalemate from a contract standpoint. But ultimately, I see them franchising him, and he'll just make $50 million for the next two years. 50-50 more likely will be the case, and then they'll have to go from that point on. But I do not see them making that change. Think about it. The backups look like Lamar Jackson, and probably the guys they got on practice squad look like Lamar Jackson. And the guys yep. they're probably considering in a draft like right now probably look like Lamar Jackson. So I don't see how they could possibly get rid of Lamar Jackson. That will be a very interesting offseason storyline there with Lamar Jackson. All right, stock up and step up for the Browns going into Sunday's game. Gerard, whose stock is up in your mind? Yeah, for me, it's definitely Reggie Ragland, what he did last week. And think about this. guy's been on the team, what, two weeks now? Yep. <laughs> Led a team in tackles. So yep. impressive. So good job on his part. His stock is up. And from a step-up standpoint, I'm going to stick again with our interior of the offensive line and that you're going to be challenged like you haven't been challenged probably since the Miami game. Well, actually, you could say with uh, – was it breather? What's reader? Reader from Cincinnati. DJ reader. Reader. Yeah. I mean, since that game, which is a couple of weeks ago. So, but you're getting two guys, not one, in this case. So they're going to have to no step doubt. up. They do. For me, stock up Grant Delpit. You're going to hear from him later. Two interceptions, which is tied for the team lead. 95 tackles, a team high. He is uh, five tackles away from his first 100-tackle season of his career. Eight passes, defense, three tackles for loss. He's improved in coverage as the season went on, and, and he's competed. So his stock is up for me. Step up. I'm just going to put the whole offense. We've got to get the ball in the end zone. I don't, I don't really care if it's with Nick Chubb, if it's Deshaun Watson throwing it to Amari Cooper and David Ajoku and Donovan Peoples-Jones. We've got to finish drives. We've got to score more points. Points, and that can be a combination of play calling. It can be a combination of execution. Whatever it is, this offense, I, I, we need to see more touchdowns. We need to see more points on the scoreboard. Uh, and I think that's kind of the big thing that I'll be looking for here in this game. From the morning pregame shows to the final play of Monday Night Football, there's no such thing as too much football. The same isn't true for gambling, though. Staying with it too long can lead to trouble. So set time limits before gambling and get more tips like this at KeepItFunOhio.com. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. You are listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. 
Coach, obviously, the season in terms of playoffs came to an end against the New Orleans Saints last Saturday. How do you kind of process that, and what's the message to the team going forward? Yeah, I mean, that's tough, obviously, for a bunch of competitors uh, to know that there's two games left. Uh, I just think it's important for us uh, in this building to save those reflections and, and those type of things for after the season. And it's just important that we continue to do our job, continue to prepare like crazy so we can go on the road against a, a good team, a team that's you know in playoff contention in the NFC. So we, we really got to make sure that we focus on our work this week, and that's what I'm seeing the guys do. Right, yeah, let's get on to the commanders then because this is a team that – is could clinch the playoffs this week they could be eliminated from the playoffs this week or it could go on to week 18 they have been very good up front let's talk about the challenges they present as a defense a team that can get home with four and play seven in coverage and, and they do that very effectively they don't give up big plays they get chase young back to go with pain allen and sweat uh, how how difficult are they to attack yeah, it's a tough group as you can imagine and what they do a very good job of is pressuring the quarterback and they don't blitz very much. So they're yep. bringing four uh, and they're getting home uh, with four first round picks. Th those are some impressive players along that front. Two great defensive tackles, two great ends. Uh, you mentioned Chase Young. He played 30 plays in the yep. last game. You'd expect him to play even more in this game. So everything that they do uh, revolves around that front. And uh, they do a nice job in the back end. They do a nice job at linebacker. They mix coverages. But really, the way they play is really driven by that front. So, yeah, they're one of two teams in the league. Philly the other with three players that have seven or more sacks. Payne's got a career-high nine-and-a-half. Allen, seven-and-a-half, both from the interior. Montez Sweat's got seven. And then you look even further on Allen and Payne. They both have 16 tackles for loss. That is third in the NFL, number one amongst defensive tackles. When you have guys in the interior who are that disruptive, what does that make it hard to do, and what do you have to do to try to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it makes everything hard. It makes the run game hard, makes the pass game hard, uh, because interior-wise, typically the center is going to one of those guys. If they're in a four-down front, picture two defensive tackles. Your center's going to go help on one of those guys. So your other guard is singled. Uh, now, he may get help from the running back in a form of a check down. He may get help of a tackle late, potentially, uh, but those are one-on-one -on -one matchups versus two really good defensive tackles. You know, we always talk about defensive ends you can chip you can get a little bit more help that way from the tight ends with the interior rushers as you've seen with Aaron Donald over the years it's harder to pay close attention to them and then add two guys to it it makes it even harder yeah and then behind that they they don't really let you throw the ball over their head they are very stingy against big plays and that's kind of a trend I think a little bit around the league this year but when a team does that when they play more of that kind of a shell what challenges does that present as a play caller and designing your scheme for that week? Yeah, you know, they play a good bit of uh, cover four quarters, but they, they play a good bit of man as well. They'll close the middle field and play some man. Uh, so you got to really be smart about when you're pushing the ball down the field and how you're protecting when you're pushing the ball down the field. Uh, but they do do a nice job. You mentioned in their shell. I mean, they do do a nice job keeping things in front of them. Uh, so we really got to be smart in how we design protections. You got to be really smart in how you design the, the players that you deploy into their secondary. Do you feel like with more and more teams running offenses or using elements of the offense that has been our base, I know we're very multiple in what we do offensively, but that you feel like teams in the keeper game especially, it feels like they're just more they got they get more looks at it now. Is that has that been a challenge this year in terms of hitting those shots? Because I, I go back to twenty twenty. It felt like whenever we dialed up a max protect shot, you'd get something. 
And now it's been much more challenging, and you see the way they handle kind of those levels concepts. Yeah, I, I do think defenses evolve, and, and I think that's where obviously offenses have to evolve right there with them. So some of the get the quarterback on the perimeter plays are harder to get based on how teams play their edge players. I would say yeah. that's the first and foremost, the biggest thing. You're seeing uh, st- a lot of stand-up players. You're seeing a lot of players play wider and wider um, with the five on the line fronts that are keeping the quarterback in the pocket and really saying to you, all right, we're going to make you make plays from that pocket. So even in the max protections, you're going to have to be in the pocket to make it. So uh, I think that's certainly an element. We've seen that. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of under front five on the line defenses throughout this season. Uh, but there, there's there's plenty of opportunity still in offensive football. You just got to be ready to pivot as the defense tries to take things away. How do we kind of get the ground game going back to its more explosive area? And I know it's kind of timed up with Deshaun being there, but it's not about Deshaun at all. It's much more about what's happening kind of in front and around Nick Chubb. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think we do We do want to run the ball better. You obviously want to be explosive in the run game. Uh, to be explosive in the run game, it does take all 11 players. Uh, now, you also got to give credit to some of the defenses you're facing and what they're deciding to try to take away. Uh, so I think it's, it's always a combination of things. I, I think in this last game, there were really close close ones and maybe you don't win one of your one-on-ones or, or they make a play uh, and that's unfortunate because that the difference between an explosive run and a gain of four is it can be an arm tackle uh, and when when we don't maybe get all you wanted on the second level or whatever it may be you don't get the guard up you don't get the center up whatever it is uh, you don't get to run through that arm tackle I think that's what probably what we've seen now I've also seen this this run attack with these players versus really good fronts uh, come spitting out of there, you know, yeah. versus uh, – and, and uh, so I, I do think it's it's the scheme. We always have to be evaluating things that we're giving the guys and making sure that they can play fast. Uh, but all in all, I think there's opportunities that are really, really close. When you mentioned teams putting kind of that five on and kind of making sure the quarterback stays in the pocket, has that also made it a little tougher to run it outside? It felt like earlier in the year, especially on the pin pulls, we had a lot of success on those what I'd call slower developing runs. And it, recently it feels like it's been a little bit tougher to get to the perimeters. Yeah, I, I do think that plays an element in it. You know, we've tried to vary. You try to vary the run game as much as you can. Uh, the, the plays that you're mentioning, for sure, uh, you, you know, you're really putting the tight ends. Block is a huge part of, of any pin-pull series. Um, you have a tackle-down block, which is a huge part of it. So teams have done a nice job. Uh, it does open up other options for us, um, and that's always the 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 game that you're playing is trying to make sure you pivot to a different run type while staying true to what you are. Yeah, that's the chess match. And it feels like as games have gone on, you've kind of been able to adapt on the fly. And we've seen the running game get better as the games have gone on, especially last weekend, Baltimore, two weeks prior to that. All right, let's talk about this commander's team offensively. They make a quarterback switch back in is Carson Wentz out is Taylor Heineke, but they've got explosive guys in this passing game. McLaurin's going to the pro bowl. He's up over a thousand yards for the third straight season. Samuel's got 650 on the year and has had a better connection with Wentz. And then the rookie Dotson out of Penn state who can fly seven touchdowns. They hit you with explosives and they make 50, 50 catches. How do you, how do you kind of scheme up a defense to prevent that? Yeah, I mean, you really want to limit the explosives, and, and that's easier said than done with this wide receiver core. Uh, it's an interesting group, not not size. You don't get big yep. guys running down the field. You just get speed. You get separation. And then McLaurin may not have – 
great size. He has unbelievable ball skills. So what he maybe lacks in not being six foot four, he goes up and gets the ball versus big corners. So I've got a ton of respect for what he can do. The young player that you mentioned from Penn State, Dotson, is an explosive, twitchy player that they're doing a nice job. He's pushing the ball down the field. And then Samuel is a, a guy that Scott Turner and this staff had in Carolina. They know how to get him the ball, get him the ball in space, hand it to him. Uh, so it presents a huge challenge. Um, obviously, you got to do a great job with rush and coverage uh, but when it comes to coverage you have to really keep things top down in your mindset yeah and it feels like if there are opportunities you mentioned rush there are maybe are some opportunities to get after the quarterback that's been something that's plagued them especially when Wentz was under center 23 times sacked in his six starts is this a game where you can get home with the four and then play that coverage or do you got to be multiple in terms of and obviously every game you're going to mix blitzing and and not and whatnot but it feels like this is a game where maybe especially on the edges we can get home with our, our guys yeah I mean listen you're always going to try you know we mentioned this Washington defense how they don't pressure they don't blitz much but they're getting home with pressure that if you could do that that would be ideal because now you have seven guys in coverage so for us we always go into it looking to attack any matchups that we can so if we feel like there's a matchups that you can create a one-on-one for an inside rusher or an outside rusher. You try to do that. If you feel like there's a matchup in the back end where you can single a corner up so that you can go double a player over here, you're always looking for that. So I tell you, it's, it's definitely a mix of what you're trying to do, but all in all, you're just looking for matchups. It's ch- it, and maybe I'm just looking through my eyes here, but it feels like Chase Winovich being back has kind of given something to this defense in terms of played the run pretty well last week. And then, he, you know, in Houston, he was the one that got the tip that led to the pick six. feels like he can get around the quarterback. And when you have him out there, it allows you to get miles inside more often. Has that been a nice thing and something that maybe you're counting on all year? And unfortunately, we've really only gotten the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Chase has done a nice job. I think you're, you're exactly right. He's played the run well. Uh, I think he's a really savvy rusher. I think he knows he's slippery. He knows how to get off blocks. When he's not winning, he knows to get his hands up. So I think he just has a feel uh, for how to how to affect the quarterback, and ultimately, when you're talking about Miles getting some attention, that should free up some one on ones for our other guys. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck against the Commanders on Sunday in Washington. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy now to be joined by Browns safety Grant Delpit. And Grant, obviously this season has not had the results that you guys have wanted, but... What have you seen from yourself, kind of your progress, your second full season here in the league, getting to play? How have you kind of progressed this year? I think you said it. Uh, this year hasn't gone how we wanted it to go. Um, but, I don't know, as a defense, um, we've kind of, you know, grown in the second half of the season and kind of trended toward the right direction. But, uh, like you said, man, uh, we need to clean some things up earlier in the year. But, you know, keep a positive attitude, finish the year right, and, um, you, know, you know, really finish this thing how we're supposed to. For you, this is, like I said, your second season playing after you missed your first season with that injury, and they, people make big leaps there. You've made a big leap this season. What's kind of different for you now than when you think about you know, the beginning of, say, 2021 and that, that early action you got there? Yeah, of course. It was, I was still fresh out there um, early my second year. But, you know, uh, you know, I have less than plays on the field this year. Of course, everybody has some plays that we want back. Um, but, like I said, as long as we turn it toward the right direction, man, and um, – you know, really growing into that potential that you that you are as a player, as a person, uh, 
you know, I think it's going to work out in the long run. So just keeping that, that ball rolling uh, to end this year. Do you feel like the game slowed down for you? Yeah, you know, of course. Uh, but it's still the NFL. It's still Every week is still hard. And there's no easy weeks. Um, but, of course, the more experience you get, uh, the, the quicker you are to pick some things up. Speaking of picks, got your second last week there. Tip ball, John Johnson with some good coverage. You got it. What happened on that play? You know, yeah, shout out to John for the assist. Uh, tight coverage made the quarterback, you know, kind of throw a, a good ball. Tight end was nice enough to drop it from me uh, and got the easy tip. But, you know, it was a, you know, as DBs would say, tips and overthrows, you got to get those. So, you know, just catch the ones they throw to you, flip this field for offense. By the way, nice return. Did you did you think maybe you had a chance to take it to the house? Yeah, I was supposed to exit stage right uh, on the um, at the end of it, but you know, shout out to my guys for blocking for me, and uh, you know, I was supposed to take it all the way. But you know, it was a good return. Set a, set our offense up for a touchdown. What did the how'd that go over in the film room? What was kind of what was your what were your peers' reaction to the catch and then the run back? No, it was all good. Uh, of course, everybody wanted me to score, but you know, it's it a good little running back, running back. Uh, and you know, I used to play a little running back back in the day, so got a little experience. <laughs> was that the coldest game you've ever played in? <laughs> that was some. That was some crazy. Come from down south, man. Come from Louisiana. That was the coldest thing I think I ever experienced. Um, you know, I've been to Colorado a couple of times, but of course, you got all all that gears, you know, stuff like that. But that was that was some crazy stuff, man. The wind chill was crazy. Shout out to the fans that went to the game. Um, they were crazy. Yeah, they, they were crazy. Uh, that, that shows y'all support. We really appreciate y'all. What did it feel like? Because it felt for me watching, you know, from up in the booth looking, it almost looked like a lot of the game was in slow motion. Like people couldn't even really move their bodies normal. Yeah, I think the worst thing was your hands for my, my part. I think my legs were good. Um, the ground was pretty hard. <laughs> Landing on the ground is stuff. But I think the worst thing was your hands. I feel like if you were on the field for more than like three plays, think my hands your hands just go numb uh so shout out to the offense too you know I don't know how they were throwing the ball and stuff like that but you know it was, it was a tough game man but the good thing about it was everybody was in it yep. so uh everybody had to deal with it and you know it, it didn't turn out how we wanted to um but you know it's just good to be out there with your bros man making plays did tackles feel differently like could you feel it in your body because it was so cold yeah, you know, your body get a little rigid and uh, go a little numb in some places. So it did feel a little different, but it's still football. So it was kind of football, right? You mentioned throwing it. They threw it 15 times, only completed eight passes, really everything underneath. They couldn't throw it down the field at all. And you knew they were going to run it. And you're, you've been great in run support all year. Came up, had a big tackle for loss on one of those third downs early in that game. What's it, what's it like the challenge going against a team that's going to do that where they've got a quarterback who's really a 230-pound tight end, and they basically are just running, you know, like power football 11 on 11? Yeah, you said it. We know that they're going to run the ball a lot. You know, that's, that's a big part of their offense. Um, you know, I knew well, the quarterback coming back, it's his first game back, so put some pressure on him, uh, try to make him think a little bit. But we really got to knock out the run game to make him uncomfortable in the pass game. And they can throw it. They've got Terry McLaurin's going to the Pro Bowl, Dotson, a big vertical threat. they got a big tight end, Logan Thomas, a Florida quarterback, Curtis Samuel. So this is in terms of probably like the skill group, the wide receiver, the best we've seen in, in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. They don't have size, but they have speed and uh, elite catching. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a lot of the same type of build, but all those guys can play, man. Like you said, they have some great receivers. Um, so, you know, it's a pretty good overall team with a, with a great defense. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge going to Washington. But we're ready for it, man, and we got a lot to play for. 
Absolutely. Got a chance to spoil their season, get another win here, and then we got a chance to do something in the final game that hasn't been done since 1988, which is sweep the Steelers in a season. And I, 1988, were you even born in 1988? You may have... That was not 10, 10 years before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> so young, so youthful, good for you. Yeah, I was born 10 years before that. Sad for me. I know. But um, yeah, you guys do have a lot to play for and an opportunity, I think, really to kind of set the stage going into next year, right? Is that kind of the mentality? Is that what you guys are all talking about? Yeah, you know, right now we're just talking about winning this game. Sure. And, of course, when the next week comes, uh, sweeping them will be great. But we've got to take care of this first. But that's the big, the big uh, picture is just to finish the year right and just build momentum to next year. What do you think kind of clicked for you guys defensively? Because, like you said, you have been playing significantly better defense. Really, I think, started week seven against the Ravens. From that point on, you know, other than the Miami game, it's been a very good performance. What's kind of changed for you guys? Uh, I don't know, man. I think kind of naturally – get to gel together a little bit after the, in the second half. Um, you know, we're still not all the way there, still giving up some plays here and there. But, you know, like I said, man, when you start to learn how other guys play and get that, you know, brotherhood and, and, and togetherness, you know, I think that it goes well in the second half. But you got to start the first half off strong uh, for next year as well. Do you like playing in the post or do you like being more down in the box? I like being wherever the ball is, so I, I don't have any preference. In college, you were more, you played both in college as well, but you were near the line of scrimmage quite a bit and obviously very good tackler. I feel like you like kind of knifing through and making those plays. Well, it's funny because I slid in draft because they said I couldn't tackle. Uh, <laughs> but Nonsense, which we all know. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I said, you know, I don't know, it is what it is, but I, I like being where the ball is at, man, making plays and, you know, flying around. All right, college football playoffs coming up. Do you care about Georgia, or do you hate to have so much disdain, or would you rather see an SEC school win it? Uh, I don't know. I'm 2-0 against Georgia, so every time we played them, we blew them out. Uh, so I'd like to see them win just because okay. we used to be blowing them out. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you're still, you'd rather have it be an SEC school if it can't be LSU? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Okay. All right, all right. Any uh, good Christmas? Any Did you have a good, yeah, good holiday? Yeah, yeah, man. My, uh, actually, my family came up here, uh, my mom, my grandma, my sister, and um, they actually got stuck yesterday because they canceled all the flights yeah. so they had to drive back 15 hours they had to get them rent a car so it turned out good they had a good little road trip back home uh but that's it, a long drive that's a long drive they, they they got home safe so that's all that matters all right excellent well grant always a pleasure man happy new year to you coming up obviously in dc get a big win kick the season off the right way or kick the year off i'd say the right way thanks for the time best of luck thank you man uh merry christmas and happy new year to everybody all right, that was Brown Safety Grant Delpit. We'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. Be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. It's the 6-9 and nine Browns against the 7-7-1 seven, seven and one Commanders. The Commanders clinging to the seventh playoff spot in the NFC. And boy, it'd be great for the Browns to play spoiler. How do they do that? What are the keys to victory? Obviously, number one, win the turnover battle. The Browns undefeated this season when they have won the turnover battle, 4-0. and oh. So we'll start there. Number two, you got to finish drives. The Browns, money downs. Where's, where money plays made in the NFL? Third down conversions. They're 20th on offense. Red zone, 19th. Goal to go. 18th, 
It's going to be a tough task against this Washington Commanders team who is third on third downs, eighth in the red zone, second in goal-to-go situations. But the Browns have got to score points. They have got to score touchdowns. They cannot settle for field goals. And so you got to get to Sean Watson and Nick Chubb going. Amari Cooper hasn't scored in five straight games. Nick Chubb hasn't scored in four straight games. We have got to get this offense producing touchdowns in the red zone. One is not enough. Two is not enough. Give me three Hoosdowns in this game, and I think the Browns will be able to come out on top. And then number three, you got to protect. You got to deal with this front. You got to be sound blocking with Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Jerron Payne, Montez Sweat on the other side. And for us, get after Carson Wentz. You know he'll throw you the football. You know he will. You think about Carson Wentz, two career games against the Cleveland Browns. The one that he won, two touchdowns, no interceptions. The one that he lost in 2020, two interceptions, five sacks. He'll hold the ball. Let's get after him. Let's get some big sacks, and let's get a huge, huge win over the Commanders. Obviously not huge for the playoffs. We know that, but you can play spoiler. 9 a.m. Browns game day with Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. 11 a.m. Browns kickoff show with Ken, Andy Baskin, and Tyvis Powell. And at 1 o'clock, kickoff with Jim the great Jim Donovan. Gerard, Jerry, and I from FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, as we hopefully kick off the new year in style. It'll be January 1st. It'll be 2023, and hopefully it will be a Browns victory over the Commanders. And maybe the night before we'll get a little uh, Michigan win, get an Ohio State win, set up a crazy championship game. For Meredith Kane and Jason Gibbs, I am Nathan Zagur, thanking you once again for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.